Listen, when Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike grab mics, it's real sports, real talk, on the field or on the court. If it happened in New York, it's covered like a blanket, dog. Interviews are ill, simply up close and personal. Batter up, Lloyd's batting first, set the tone. Mike see the right the stadium with a guard and on the phone. Here we go, Giants of Jets, Yankees of Mets, Knicks of Nets. This is only an intro, the show is next. Listeners, it's that day of the week where we bring you an all-new episode of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Today is Monday, April 16th, 2018, and listeners, the show airs every Monday from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and of course, at LloydAThompson.com. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so. So you won't miss a damn thing. And me and Mad Michael also on social media, Lloyd A. Thompson, one word, Instagram, Lloyd A. Thompson, one word, Twitter. Be sure to hit that follow button, L-L-O-Y-D, A. Thompson is the spelling. If you have any questions that you'd like for me and Mad Mike to hear and answer on the show, please shoot them through email to Lloyd at partmyfresh.com or you can send them directly to the website. Listeners, me and Mad Mike have a great show for you today. We're going to do our very own mock draft 2.0 version to follow up the 1.0 version that we already did. The Knicks fired their head coach early this time. I'm talking about as soon as the damn plane landed in New York from a, from a win in Cleveland. And we're going to go over the hirees that the Knicks might want to look at, you know, for the next coaching job. So, guys, we're going to take some questions today. Also, guys, so please, let's buckle up, sit back and relax, and start spreading the news. Hey, yo, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday. That means it's time to talk sports with Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike. Let's go. As always, we got to find out where the Mad Mike is calling from today. Yo, Mad Mike, where you at today, baby? Calling from my canoe that I'm rowing down the freaking road, uh, you know, with this monsoon that hit New York. Listen, how crazy is it that we had 70 uh, 70 degree day, almost an 80 degree day, and then it turned around and was like 34 degrees the following day? Like, if that's not no ammonia-type stuff, you know what I'm saying? And look, your boy was walking around with a big winter coat on and a big winter hat on 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 Friday and Saturday. I don't look so bad now wearing that stuff because look what we got now. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is the one thing about March and April in New York, man. You just, you don't know what to expect. You get snow, you get rain, you get 80 degrees, you get 34 degrees, you get, it's ridiculous. This is, I, I don't understand, man. I feel like the world is coming to an end. So listen, one thing happened in between last week's show and this week's show is that the Knicks fired head coach Jeff Hornacek, and we briefly talked about this, man, Mike, and for the first time, when it came to dealing with a coach, I think the Knicks did this the right way. And it has me thinking that they're going to do the right things moving forward. Because usually the Knicks wait maybe to like a week before the draft to fire the coach. Or after the draft to fire the coach. 
This time they actually fired him as soon as the damn as, as soon as the damn plane landed from their from their home game. I mean from their away game in Cleveland. Yes, man, I'm, I couldn't be more happy. Like, let's be honest. They they said that you know there there were things that he showed them um, that were good. They liked, and there were things that he showed them that that they didn't like. And it was enough for them to pull the trigger. He didn't feel like he um, like he coached to the strength of the team. Uh, he he thought that he wanted guys to play outside of outside of their roles a little more. Um, was something that we touched on during the course of the season, where where like the team goes cold, but you see him on the sideline waving his arms to push the ball, push the ball as if he didn't have a feeling. So you know his his locker room was still messy. Um, something that they touched on. Um, you know, they, they want someone that can be strict, but, but can, you know, I don't want to say relate, but, you know, adapt to, to, to the players a little more. And he didn't seem to do that well. He had uh, a falling out with, uh, you know, Noah during the year. So, you know, good for them. They saw some guys that, that they feel are better out there and they're starting to line up some guys. And not only that, let's talk about, you know, also bring up the fact that Kyle Quinn had a shouting match with him. Uh, some of the players spoke out about, you know, not directly – um, about him, but the way that, you know, the game plan was to close games out. So once that things like that started happening during the season, I had a feeling that he lost the locker room. And to me, once you do that, it don't matter how good of a coach you are, you're not going to get the most out of your players because, you know, with both of us being athletes, when you have a coach that you, you know, you like playing for, you know, the, you know, the whole, your whole mindset is completely different. So... With that being said, Mike, Mike, there's a lot of names floating around, so we're going to go over with the listeners non-potential targets to replace Jeff Hornacek as the next, uh, as the next Knicks head coach. So I will, uh, obviously I'm going to throw some names out there and give a brief background on them, and then I want you to chime in, and you know, at the end we're going to see who we feel is the best pick for the Knicks to make. All right, Mad Mike? Yes, sir. All right, so as we know, the Knicks fired Jeff Hornacek now, team president Steve Mills and general manager Scott Perry. You know, they had to turn their attention to finding the Knicks' next head coach, a decision that would shape their tenure as team executives. So the first name and probably the most popular name, man, Mike, that I'm going to throw out there is Mark Jackson. Now, Mark Jackson has had close relationships with many in the Knicks organization and will be a popular hire amongst a significant portion of the fan base. Now, Mark Jackson is 53 years old, as, you know, most of us know. And for those of you that don't, he grew up in New York. He was a star player at St. John's University, and he played for the Knicks. He also won the Rookie of the Year Award in 88. Now, Mark Jackson coached the Golden State Warriors, Matt Mike, for three seasons through 2014. And he led that Golden State Warriors team to back-to-back playoff appearances, which is the first time since 1992. Now, you know, Jackson's departure in Golden State, though, would give Mills and Perry something to think about, you know, when they evaluate his candidacy, because supposedly there was issues that he had with the front office. So, you know, that's Mark Jackson. So your thoughts on Mark Jackson? Uh, he's my pick, man. Um, he's my pick. It's, I wanted Mark Jackson eight years ago when Donnie Walsh, uh, I'm going to say it, when Donnie Walsh was forced to back out of a deal he had for Mark Jackson and sign Mark, uh, Mike D'Antoni, uh, which 
you know, it's funny. That's that's about how Steve Kerr ended up replacing Mark Jackson in Golden State because somebody in the front office refused to let Phil give the fifth year to Steve Kerr. I wonder who that guy is. And and saying that, I don't know how good Mark's chances are because of that. But I'll tell you this, man. Um, all jokes aside from that. Uh, I, I really like Mark. I think Mark did a great job in developing the talent in Golden State, and that's where we're at now. You know, we're not a finished product. Obviously, we're we're in the developmental stages of of our you know uh, young talent, and Mark did a great job in Golden State. But the one thing I will say, and I'm hoping Mark has learned from his mistakes, one of the reasons he got fired is because he refused to start Draymond Green, who under Steve Kerr has become one of the the, the best. Uh, uh, the best all-around big men and defensive big men in the game. And, you know, that's on Mark Jackson's ledger. That's like Buck Showalter refusing to, to, to um, use Mariano Rivera in Game 5 of the 1995 playoffs. You know, there's something that we've criticized Jeff Hornacek for as well as far as him, um, you know, not starting players that he should have started. So we'll see, but that's a knock on Mark Jackson. So the next name, Mad Mike, is Jeff Van Gundy. Now, like Mark Jackson, Van Gundy will be a popular pick amongst the fans as well. He coached the Knicks for, a, you know, part of seven seasons, leading the club to six consecutive playoff appearances and an Eastern Conference title. Now, Van Gundy's run, you know, was with the Knicks' most recent period of sustained success. So, New York has just won one playoff series since Van Gundy has left in the early 2000s. Now... You know, as in the question with Jackson, will Van Gundy want to leave his job at ESPN to return to coaching after 11 season, 11 year absence? You know, that's unclear. Though one coach with ties to Van Gundy believes that his interest in the Knicks job, if management approached him, is also voting, you know, that multiple current Knicks players will be in favor of a Van Gundy's return. Now, you know, at the end, I'm going to go. You know, who I, who's my number one pick and who's not my number two pick. But, you know, that's the take on Van Gundy. So what's your thoughts on Van Gundy? Um, Man, once I heard that Jeff Van Gundy was interested in the job, um, my, my, my initial reaction was he's going to get the job. And just for the things that you spoke on now, if you think about it, this downfall that occurred with the Knicks specifically started when he left, you know, when he left, we ended up with the Lenny Wilkins and the Don Chaney's and the Larry Browns. People forget, you know, all all these these guys that that it's been a revolving door at at coach as much as as it's been, you know, a lack of playoff series wins. And that all started when he left at ten and ten at, with a ten and ten record, and he just decided he couldn't do it and resigned. Maybe it was a sign of things to come. Um, but I will be honest with you. Uh, he wants to change the narrative of his next career. And I think James Dolan wants to change the narrative of his ownership. And I just feel like, like, uh, as soon as he said he wanted to uh, coach the Knicks or would consider it, I, I think that he became the number one man, uh, on their list. Okay. So on Dolan's a, list, on Dolan's list. Okay. So not, not necessarily Perry. But. Now the next name I'm going to throw out there, Mad Mike is Jerry Stackhouse. Now, Stackhouse and, and Perry have a relationship. For this, go ahead, Matt, Mike. No, no, I'm, I'm just telling you now. My, my answer is pass. Say whatever you want, but pass. I, I don't even, 
I want nothing to do with the guy. Okay, I just want to brief the listeners up on it. <laughs> I, <laughs> but he's already out of your running, huh? No, I mean, not for nothing, but do you want to find out what this guy has? Like, like we're trying to rebuild this and, 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 and bring it back to something we could be proud of. And, and you want to find out what Jerry Stackhouse has as a Well, coach? here's the thing. I mean, we all know how people have, have gained jobs in the Knicks organization. And Perry has a relationship with um, Scott Perry from their shared time with Detroit. Now, the Knicks plan, I'm hearing reports that they plan to contact Stackhouse to discuss the vacancy. You know, Stackhouse coached the Toronto, Rap the, the Toronto Raptors G League team, the Toronto 905. And, you know, for the previous, the, from the previous two seasons, Stackhouse led that team to a title and was named the G League Coach of the Year. You know, in this season, this past season, his team won the Eastern Conference title but fell short in the, in, the, um, in the finals. But again, this is the G League. And not to discredit the G League, but I'm kind of with you on this as well. He's not a name that, I, you know, I, if the Knicks decided to hire him, the sad part about it, Mad Mike, is that I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't be happy. We, You told the listeners you wouldn't be happy, and I'm sure the fan base of the Knicks wouldn't be happy as well. Um, I'm, I'm telling you right now, that this canoe I'm 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 rowing down the street, I will I will jump off the next boat and I will find a new team. There's a lot of good basketball teams out there, and I don't care what fraud you you call me. Um, if Jerry Stackhouse is named the coach, I'm jumping off the ship, man. That's it. Wow, man. Let them sink. Listen, I'm done. Listen, you heard it here first, listeners. I've never heard Mad Mike say anything like this, but he's saying that the Knicks hire. Jerry Stackhouse, he is just owning this team and this organization. I mean, I mean, as a Knicks fan, yo, it, it wouldn't piss you off that that there's that there's legit guys that basically begs for coaching jobs that 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 we became fans of this team because of guys like Oakley, guys like Ewing. Um, you, you know, you have Doc Rivers becoming a coach in here. He was a Nick. He's never even got a consideration over here, and we're we're considering a Jerry Stackhouse. I mean, you got Patrick Ewing begging for a job, and and we're gonna, you know, we ignore him to to go the the uh, Jerry Stackhouse job. Come on, yo. I agree, but for some reason, his name has popped up. Now, here's a name, Mad Mike, that's quite industry inter interesting, and that's David Fisdale. Now, the ex Grizzlies coach will likely draw plenty of interest from teams that have coaching vacancies, but Fisdell is popular among some of the league's most influential players in part because of his time as an assistant coach of the Miami Heat. Now, he led the Grizzlies to the playoffs in his first season as a head coach, but was fired 19 games into the 2017-2018 season amid a clash with Mark Gasol, you know, on an eight-game losing streak. So, now if the Knicks asked Fisdell old players, like Dwayne Wade about him, you know, they'll get a glowing review, but that's not, you know, why you hire a coach. So, but I will say, though, one thing I think he's going to bring his team, you know, is his work ethic. You know, when I'm hearing Mad Mike, he has a great offensive mind, but he has defensive principles, you know, with the Miami Heat that Pop Rally has instilled in every coach that has come, you know, and that was quoted by Dwayne Wade. So, you know, Dwayne Wade said he's a good manager of personalities as well. You know, the sky's the limit for whatever organization is going to hire him. So, what's your thoughts on David Fisdell, who 
surprisingly, Mad Mike, I have a feeling that this is a dark horse right here to be the next Knicks head coach. Uh, here, here's my thoughts on it, right? When, when people like he's respected by LeBron and Wade and these guys, um, you're talking to me about guys that I'm not. I don't have interest in. I, I know someone put that King of New York thing with that uh, on, you know, billboard or whatever it is. We, you, you don't want to lo- listen to these guys. These guys are going to be out of the NBA in four years. Once again, I'm looking for a coach that my guys are going to grow with. I'm looking to draft and develop guys. I'm looking to build something, something long term here. I'm not looking for, and I, I don't. It's no knock on Fisdale, but I don't care what a 34 year old says about him. I don't care what a 33 year old says about him. Those are not the guys that want to sign those are i mean you know, you know what i mean for me personally so I'm, I'm like i get it but he's a great a great manager of personalities do do why do we all forget how bad miami it ended in miami for those guys they were they were basically tearing each other apart Dwayne wade and lebron james weren't even really uh, uh messing with each other and, and they can they can Whatever the hell they want. That's that's the truth. Bosch, Bosch wasn't even part of the inner circle by the end of it. So when you tell me he's managing what personalities? Hey, come on, man. I need someone, and I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but give me something else. Like like we're gonna we that Miami team was supposed to win. They were supposed to win more than two championships. They, they were supposed to be great. Don't tell me that he's a great coach because because you know he had all that talent as an assistant coach or whatever. At the end of the day, look at Miami now. They're stuck in the mud. I'm trying to, to, to I don't even want the Knicks to go from, from garbage to stuck in the mud. I want them to go from garbage to great. I don't want to be the, the, the you saw what happened to the Miami Heat. Does that look like a team that, that so what they made the playoffs? We want titles. I haven't seen a title yet. Listen, they got their behinds kicked in Philly. Philly put a whipping on them the other day in the playoffs, in the first round. So- First game in the playoffs. So the next name, man, Mike, is David Platt. Now, the Knicks interviewed Platt the last time they had a coaching vacancy, and it would be to no surprise if they talked to him again. You know, uh, Black played at Princeton. Again, here's the times, man, Mike. He played at Princeton with Steve Mills and the Knicks vice president of player personnel development, I'm sorry, Craig Robinson, and remains close with both of them. Again, you don't hire a manager because of your personal relationships with them. But Black did coach Cleveland to NBA Finals appearance, but he was fired in the middle of the following season, uh, which was said to be a lack of fit without, with, with the personnel and their vision. So Black has been incredibly successful in Europe and has said that he'll like another chance to coach in the NBA. Mad Mike, David Black. Um, Here's another one, man. Um. And he's going to make a hypocrite of me because the reason that he got the job in Cleveland was because he's a great coach of young individuals and he's great at developing talent. And what went wrong for him was LeBron James. And LeBron James has made people think he's a bad coach. You just you just told us that uh, one of the reasons he was fired was lack of vision and um, you know personnel vision or whatever. Uh, I don't think he's a bad coach, just like Fisdale. I just don't think he's the man for this town. Personal opinion. All right. So now the next guy who I'm going to throw out there is Monty Williams, man, Mike. Now, Williams currently is the vice president of basketball operations with the San Antonio Spurs. And you see where that's going. You know, is familiar with the New York market. He played for the Knicks for two two seasons. And again, well respected by the Knicks organization. So, again, you don't hire somebody because of that. 
You know, he's also had success as a head coach. Let's not take that away. You know, he led the Pelicans to two playoff appearances in the five years before being fired in 2015. Now, you know, he left after, you know, he left coaching after unfortunate tragic tragic death of his wife in 2016. But as since said, he'd like to return to the bench, Matt Mike. Monty Williams. I like Monty Williams. Um, like you said, a guy that has ties to, 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 the, to the Knicks. Um, people forget we drafted Monty. People forget that Monty, uh, you know, I, I want to say that he had, uh, uh, you know, health complication when he was with us. So kind of cut things uh, short for him. Uh, I like him. And, and I think uh, if I, and I don't want to get the wrong names, but if off the top of my head, I believe he went to back-to-back playoffs uh, for the Pelicans. And he was fired in favor of Alvin Gentry. And it was one of the, the most criminal uh, acts a front office has, has made on a coach because they were ascending. And then they go to Gen, they fire him, and then they never see the playoffs until this year. So that goes to tell you what kind of coach Monty Williams was. Once again, um, I'm looking more for guys with ties to the New York area. You know, this media is different. This fan base is different. People that get us. Um, that that's the kind of coach I, I, I can uh, give a thumbs up to Monty. All right. So now the next guy is David Vanderpool. Now Vanderpool, who's 45, is well-respected around the NBA for his work with the Portland Trailblazers. Now he's even credited for playing a role in the development of Damian Litter and C.J. McCollum. Now under Mills and Perry, play development will be crucial for the Knicks, who hope to build a young core around, obviously, Kristaps Porzingis and to attract, you know, future free agents in the offseason. Now, coach who has experience, in, experience developing players, Matt Mike, such as Vanderpool, will be attractive to the Knicks decision makers. So, again, not specifically fitting what the Knicks need as a head coach. You know, they, they're saying, they're not saying what's going to make this team better and get them to the playoffs. You know, they're, everything that, you know, is it's, it's like, you know what? What is? It's just not what they need. You know, so um, David, David Vanderpool, man, Mike. I, I, I'm not gonna say I'm too familiar with with him, but uh, I mean, if you're just gonna tell me, all right, he helped develop Lillard and he helped develop uh, McCollum, okay. And if 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 you want to say that he's gonna help you, those guys are gonna be free agents in a couple years. He'll help you attract them. Uh, we tried that once before with Mike D'Antoni. Once again, that name. Um, we thought he was going to help us attract Team USA players. He didn't. So I, if if your goal is Damian Lillard, um, and that's why you're hiring a coach, then we ain't going nowhere, man. Let's be honest. Uh, that's not why you hire a coach whatsoever. Now, the the last guy that I'm going to bring up is a coach uh, from Villanova. What's his name again? I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, Jay Wright. Jay Wright, that's the last name. Jay Wright, obviously I, I can't see Jay Wright leaving Villanova, but Villanova has won national titles in, I believe, three of the last five years. Um, um, two of the last three years they've won titles. Okay. And, um, you know, I don't, again, most college coaches, you know, they like the whole idea of recruiting players and doing all that. So I don't know if he would necessarily leave Villanova to come coach the Knicks. But it's somebody that the Knicks might reach out to, Matt Mike. Um, yeah, uh, I, I saw a report. I saw a report uh, earlier last week that said um, 
One, he's realistic, man. He he already said he he gave the reasons why he's not big on leaving college. Uh, for one reason, like you said, um, the recruiting, uh, the fact that you constantly it's a revolving door as far as uh you know the the kids coming and going, so your message doesn't necessarily get stale like it does in the pros. Uh, you you know he seems like he understands that part of it. And besides that, the the article I said so um. It said that he it was going to take about $15 million a year to lure him away. And I don't understand why we would pay that kind of money um, to a college coach. Not saying he's going to do a bad job. But what I am saying is it's different when you're, when you're talking to college kids not making no money and you're addressing uh, KP, who's about to be a max player. Is he going to listen to you? And, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say that uh, two names that I did notice that that you left off the list that that uh, are circulating out there is Doc Rivers, who word is he just leveraging the Knicks position um, to get more money um, and try to leverage more power uh, back his way in L.A. And the other guy, they actually got permission to interview. And this is going to blow your mind because I think that he's a guy that they didn't want to fire to begin with. Um, is Mike Woodson. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I'm, I'm sorry, listeners. Matt Mike is actually right. I did, I did hear about Doc, Doc Rivers. The Mike Woodson thing is a surprise to me, being he was fired, but I think he was fired, you know, wrongfully. The Knicks did have success under him, and he was one of the few coaches that the Knicks had, to me, that didn't warrant it. He didn't do anything wrong to be fired. Um, yeah, but, but I will say this, um, you did criticize Hornacek's, uh, end of game, uh, management, you know, shots in the last seconds. And he, he proved to us that he, he really, his thing was ISO ball. Like he was really the first, um, coach that we had that, that told Melo it was okay to go ISO and, and jack up 30 shots and forget about his team. So yeah, they did win. And, and I don't know how much of that winning was because of him. Or because of guys like, you know, uh, uh, Kurt Thomas and Rashi Wallace and Jason Kidd, just veterans that held people accountable. Because as soon as those guys all left the following year, it fell apart pretty quickly. So if you're Scott, Scott Perry and Mills and you have to make your coach and your hiring of your new coach, man, Mike, so we're going to do your top choice. And then let's say your top choice turns you down. And your second choice turns you down. So I want you to give me your top three names. One, two, and three. If you're Scott Perry and Steve Mills, who you hire as the Knicks' next head coach. Uh, one is Mark Jackson. Two is Jeff Van Gundy. And three is Fisdale. Those are my three. Okay, now my three is Jeff Van Gundy, one. Mark Jackson, two. And I'm going to say Fisdale, Monty Williams for three. I'm kind of it's kind of a toss up with either one of those guys, but you know if Van Gundy or Jackson says no, I wouldn't be mad if the Knicks you know hired Fisdale or Monty Williams. I'm not so keen on David Black, so you know that would be my top three would be Van Gundy one, Mark Jackson two, and Fisdale or Monty Williams three. You know what? Yeah, I'll have this. I'll go with the same thing. I'll do Monty and and Fisdale. Three, three, eight, three, B. However you want to look at it, because I, I really do like Monty Williams. Um, but you know, the 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 uh, Fisdale did a good job in Memphis, man. But let's be honest, 
you know, he he had a phone out with his star player, and we're over here criticizing Jeff, you know, Jeff Hornacek for having fallen outs with his players. So, you know, it, it, it depends on what the falling out was over, but obviously they, they chose the player over the coach. So Now, you know, there weren't too many few bright spots with the Knicks this past season, Mad Mike, but I think it's safe to say that one of the brightest spots that the Knicks have had all season has been, or from what the amount of time he was able to get himself on the court, was uh, Trey Burke. And I would nominate Trey Burke. Well, obviously I would nominate Ennis Cantor as a Nick of the Year. And, you know, Ennis Cantor is another bright spot. But, you know, Trey Burke was Ennis Cantor, Trey Burke. Um, I don't know. Would you put Michael Beasley as far as being a bright spot for the Knicks this year? Um, I, I, you know, I think Mike Beasley played himself into a new contract. Uh, it was very up and down. And once again, I don't know how much of that was the coach. Uh, Beasley was, was, uh, very vocal about, uh, his, you know, not going to say a sporadic use, but, uh, you, you know, he had stretches where he knew he was going to be the man and he had other stretches where he didn't even know if he was going to get minutes and he spoke out about that. So, um, I'll say he's a bright spot overall. And I think he or he's going to get a, a contract a multi-year from the Knicks, man. Maybe something like a, a two-year, fifteen million or something. I wouldn't um, be I mad at him. Happening. I mean, look, he he play, he plays with no control whatsoever. He reminds me of a poor man version of Carmelo Anthony, almost. Like I've seen him take the dumbest shots during games. I've seen him make the stupidest turnovers during games. I've seen him get lazy and not run up the court in games, and I've seen him. Flash potential of why he was picked as high as he was in the NBA draft, man, Mike. Yeah, so, no, I, I, I'm I, when they signed him. Remember, I, I, I told you, or I said on the show, when they signed him, I knew that Melo was gone because he is a poor man's version of Carmelo Anthony, and it, it, they, they were just gonna get. The, the same things they got from Melo, they were going to get from him at a lot cheaper. Um, I just think that, that that's the route they're going to go. He, he's probably a good, uh, you know. He's a second unit player that's going to give you some some rebounding and some some scoring, and let's see how another coach can can deal with him. Yeah, so I mean, listeners, also the NBA players uh, NBA playoffs kicked off. Uh, the first game game ones were played um, over the weekend. So on the next show, me and my and Mike are going to touch up on that as there could be some possible eliminations. Me and Matt Mike are also going to give our picks. As far as who we think are going to come out of the East and West and who we think are going to win the championship. So be sure to tune in the next week's show as we're going to touch up on that. But we're going to take a quick commercial break and we're going to come back with our very own mock draft 2.0 as the NFL draft fastly approaches us. Exciting stuff, guys. So we'll be back with more of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, my name is A.O. Aaron Omar Baker. And I'm the producer for the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Show. Listen, for starters, I want to say thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And thank you for sharing the show. If you aren't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud. Tune in. Just head over to LloydAThompson.com. All the information. Information is there, and if you want to send a question to the guys, they'll answer it on a future show. You can do so at the website or directly by email. It's Lloyd at PardonMyFresh.com. All right, that's it. Real quick, real simple. Let's get back to the show. 
Welcome back to the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Listeners, as we said before the break, we're gonna come, we're gonna do our very own mock draft 2.0 as the NFL draft fastly approaches us on April 22nd. So hopefully you guys listen to the show where we did our first mock draft. So I want you guys to see and also want to see how differently our picks are in our 2.0 mock draft, Matt Mike. So I'm going to put you on the clock first, Matt Mike. Cleveland Browns, you're the GM of the Cleveland Browns. Who do you pick with the first pick in this year's draft? Man, you know, it's funny uh, because in my first mock draft I did with you, I actually had Sam Darnold fall all the way out of the top 10 because of his limited, uh, you know, participation at, at the Combine. And I actually now, just to show how much things have changed in, in these last four, five, six weeks, whatever it's been, um, I have Sam Darnold going first. He's the safest pick at quarterback, and the Browns seem to love him. And you can't roll the dice because apparently the Giants seem to love him too. Sam Darnold going one. Now, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, you know, the Browns have to use this pick on a quarterback. And the fact that the Giants are interested in him may, you know, force them to pull the trigger and draft him number one. So that's my pick as well. I think the Browns are going to use, you know, if I'm if I'm the Browns, I'm going to pick Sam Donald, obviously. Uh, oh, man, I'm drawing a blank on the guy they have there now. The quarterback. Tyrod Taylor? The, yeah, Tyrod Taylor. He's only going to be there. You know, maybe for a year, and they're going to, you know, whoever they draft in this year's draft, expect them to possibly be the starting quarterback in a year, you know, the following season. So, I got Sam Donald as well. So, we're going to move on to the New York Giants, man, Mike. So, I'll, 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 I'll make this pick. I'll go first. Uh, if I'm the New York Giants, obviously, you got some trade possibilities out there. Um, it's a toss-up between Chubb and Saquon Barkley. But if the listeners have listened to our previous shows, I'm, I'm all on the Saquon Barkley bandwagon. I've always been on his bandwagon. I'm going to stay on his bandwagon. I still think he's the best player in the draft. I think he's better than Ezekiel Elliott, Mad Mike. And you see what Ezekiel Elliott has done for the, for the Dallas Cowboys. He's done nothing but rush for over 1,300 yards and, you know, the seasons that he's played, you know, with the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm going to pick. Saquon Barkley, running back from Penn State. Barkley was a star at the NFL Combine. And if the Giants want to stick with Eli Manning, which it seems that they want to do, Matt Mike, Barkley would definitely help extend his career and open up an option coming out of the backfield. Because, you know, Manning likes to throw the ball to his running backs. He's a very good blocker. And for somebody his size, he runs in between the tackles very well. And he's fast enough to get outside of the tackles. He can make people miss, and he can outrun guys to the end zone. Um, this pick is what breaks my draft every single time. Um, it, I swear to you, it absolutely breaks my draft. Um, I do want to say I, I really like Barkley. Um, a lot of people, this, this narrative that all of a sudden he's too small and not – possibly not a three down back in the NFL uh, kind of blows my mind because he's bigger than David Johnson, who's arguably the best running back in all the NFL. But um, with reports that the team has settled on the quarterback position 
and they are likely to take the quarterback. If Sam Darnold falls, it's going to be Darnold. But since Darnold goes one in my draft, uh, we're reports that the coaching staff absolutely loves Josh Allen and is willing to let him develop one year behind Eli Manning. I'm going to take Josh Allen with the second pick. Wow. He's got the Listen, listen. If wow. this guy Listen, fans, if this guy hits on what everybody thinks he can be, and everybody thinks that the Giants probably are the best place for him to land and develop. This guy ran the same 40 times as Cam Newton. He's huge, he's got a big arm, and he's already started to clean up some of the footwork issues that led to his accuracy issues. This guy never, he, he was a D2 quarterback. I mean, when they tell you that that his best case scenario can be Carson Wentz, um, a big mobile quarterback, uh, who who came from the D two school as well? Um, it's a lot to like about him, and I'm gonna go there too and trust that the Giants coaching staff can help this guy reach his ceiling. Okay, so there you have it. Now moving on to pick number three, your team, the New York Jets. I'll let you go first, being that that's your team, Matt Mike. Who do you select um, with the third pick for the New York I, Jets? I, I'm going Josh Rosen. I think Josh Rosen is the smartest player in this draft. I think he's the most NFL-ready quarterback in this draft, and he also has a big arm. I think the concussion, uh, you know, I, I think the concussion uh, uh, motive, or I don't want to say motive, but I just think that that is overblown. The guy had taken two really bad hits, and the games that he was benched were, were games that, that they were going to lose anyway um, during the game. I thought they played safe with him more than, than the injury. He does have the shoulder, did have the shoulder injury, but, you know, that's why you pay offensive linemen, right, to protect the quarterback. So I'm going to go Josh Rosen. Hey, listeners, me and a Mad Mike have the same pick for two of the first three picks in our 2.0 mark draft. Because I'm going to select Josh Rosen as well. I think the Jets will continue toiling in mediocrity, Mad Mike, as long as they lack quality quarterback play. And I'm sure you, you'll agree with that as well. I think Rosen is an excellent consolation prize, and he seems very capable of handling the New York spotlight. I think he fits what the Jets need very well. And, you know, he, he, you know I think he'll help this organization out. So I'm going to pick Josh Rosen as well quarterback from UCLA with the third pick with the New York Jets. So moving on to the fourth pick, which the Cleveland Browns have, uh, VIA of the Houston Texans. Um, I'm going to go first, Matt Mike. I got, if I'm the Browns with this pick, you know, I know you got Bradley Chubb's name out there. Um, I'm going to take Minka Fitzpatrick, DB from Alabama. Um, the Browns selected. Obviously, I would have selected the quarterback with my first pick, you know, and I think they they gonna they gotta take the next. I would take the next best defensive prospect in the class. You know, Fitzpatrick, in my opinion, is the queen of the chessboard type of defensive back. And if you put him back there with the young man they drafted out of Michigan, you know, they can have that's that's going to be a special tandem um, back there, Matt Mike. Yeah, him and Julius Peppers. Uh... Not Julius Peppers. Uh, Jabril. Jabril, Jabril Peppers. Peppers, correct. Uh, they, they'll be something special. But um, in my mock draft, they get the best player in the draft, Saquon Barkley, um, to pair with their uh, new shiny quarterback, uh, Sam Darnold. And the best way to, to develop and protect a young quarterback is to run the ball. And I think that 
uh, you know, basically with, with Barkley not ending up with the Giants, uh, he's free game and the Browns would not pass up a talent like Saquon Barkley. Um, and they'd be able to boast uh, basically getting Sam Darnold, uh, Saquon Barkley and locking up uh, Jarvis Landry to that $75 million contract. That That's one hell of a, of a foundation to, to go forward with and sell your fans. All right now. So, this is the pick number five, so we're halfway through our first ten picks. Pick number five goes to the Denver Broncos. Man, Mike, who you select with that pick? Well, in the case here where you know we don't we don't uh, mock trades, um, I think the Broncos would love to move back um, in the draft. Uh, I, I think Josh Allen's their guy, uh, but. Being that you can't draft your guy, I think they take Quentin Nelson, who's the best, uh, basically the best offensive lineman in this draft. They have a, a, a pretty good investment in Case Keenum. Um, and if you're not going to draft the quarterback position, you got to protect the quarterback position. Quentin Nelson's the pick there. Now, I'm going to say that if I'm the Denver Broncos and I take Josh Allen, quarterback from Wyoming, and, uh, you know, the, the, the Denver Broncos – they have quarterback issues. Now, you know, they can also pick an offensive lineman right there because they need help there as well. And maybe drafting Allen is a risk. But the Denver quarterback situation, Matt Mike, it just might very well be the worst in the league. And, you know, as you very well pointed out, Allen did well in the senior bowl. And then he followed up with a strong NFL combine showing, you know, which is why he's such a tantalizing prospect. And, you know, he can go anywhere from one to five. You know what I'm saying? So, but my pick would be Josh Allen with this pick because I do believe that the Denver Broncos do need a quarterback. And with the with, with, with such a big upside, I think, you know, he'll be an intriguing prospect. And so I would pick Josh Allen with the number five pick, Mad Mike. So moving on to number six, which is owned by the Indianapolis Colts. I'll go first because we're alternating, you know, first, second, first, second. I would select Bradley Chubb, you know, out of NC State. Now, you know, Fitzpatrick is a better prospect, you know, but defensive end is a bigger need for the Indianapolis Colts at this point, in my opinion, Mad Mike. And offensive lineman, you know, such as Nuda Dames, Quentin Nelson, you know, he would be on my board as well. You know, it might be a target, but with this pick right here, I select Bradley Chubb, defensive end from NC State, Mad Mike. Uh, we agree. I think this is a dream scenario for the Colts as Bradley Chubb is exactly the guy that they were going to target at three. And I think they, they read the draft board perfectly. They saw that these quarterbacks were going to go. They decided to move back knowing that Bradley Chubb was going to fall. And if he doesn't fall, um, Quentin Nelson is going to be their guy there. And um, I think they've, at six, they're safe, uh, either guy. And I think uh, in mine draft, Chubb falls, and it's, it really is a dream scenario for them. All right. So now we're at pick number seven, and that goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Matt Mike. So you get ahead on and make your selection. I'm going to go with Minka Fitzpatrick at seven. I don't think he's the best safety in, in – uh, in this draft, but I do think that he is the best leader in this draft. Something similar to Jamal Adams, um, 
you know, going last year at safety. Minka Fitzpatrick is going to bring a culture change there, similar to, to the kind of culture change that Landon Collins brought the defense to of the New York Giants. And um, they need it in, in Tampa Bay. I mean, the, the quarterback over there did not turn into the leader they thought he was. He's still very immature. And, and like the Jets, like the Giants have benefited from, you know, Adams and, and, and uh, Collins. I think that the Bucks can really benefit from bringing in a true professional, a true leader uh, like Menka. Okay. Now, my pick will be Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame. Now, defensive end could be the pick here, you know, but I think that the Notre Dame guard might be the best player regardless of position. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers need help on that offensive line to keep uh, uh, Winston upright. So I think this pick might be, uh, you know, I would take Quentin Nelson because, in my opinion, you know, they need help on the line. I mean, obviously your pick makes a lot of sense, but I would go Quentin Nelson guard out of Notre Dame with the seventh pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So moving on to the eighth pick, which is owned by the Chicago Bears, um, I would select Denzel Ward cornerback out of Ohio State, Matt Mike. Now, the Bears need help at cornerback in the worst way, and they need help at wide receiver in the worst way. Now, with a lot of good, you know, a lot of good but not great receivers available, obviously we rave about Ridley, you know, from Alabama. It'll uh, be a Cowboys push. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the – right. And, you know, it's, it's – it, I mean, we'll talk about the whole Des Bryant thing and where he might land. But, you know, the Bears, I think the Bears are going to go cornerback, you know, uh, you know, to help out with their secondary because their secondary is awful. Um, we agree on yet another pick. I have Denzel Ward. Uh, he's the best cover corner in the draft. And with the commitment that they made to, to Fuller, um, keeping him from Green Bay, um, on that huge contract, they're going to need uh, young, cheap pieces, uh, impact pieces in their secondary because, as you know, you can't afford to, to, to have to go outside and pay for a, a CB2 um, after giving Kyle Fuller that money. So I went Denzel Ward, and I just want the fans, to, to the listeners to see, we did mention how, how our boards changed. And our first board, our first mock draft, my board had Calvin Ridley Going here at uh, at eight to the Bears, and I don't think that uh, I don't think he's a top ten player anymore. Yeah, how funny is it that both our boards change quite a bit, Matt Mike? Yeah, it's it's just, it's you know you, you 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 take the information you have, you you see how players have been working out, and and uh, it changes your opinion. All right, so now moving on to pick number nine, which is owned by the San Francisco Giants. I mean, San Francisco Giants. Lord have mercy. The San Francisco 49ers. Who would you take with that pick, man, Mike? Um, I'm going to go Tremaine Edmonds. He's the most versatile linebacker. I, I don't think he's the best linebacker um, in this draft, but I do think that he's the most uh, versatile. And from the things I've heard, uh, San Fran is looking to use him on the inside and the outside. Uh, so I think he's their pick. And um, it's not a bad pick to have, honest, honestly. Wow, we agree again, man. Mike, I think this is like five of the la five of the nine picks that we agree upon. I would take Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker from Virginia Tech, as well. You know, with Ruben Foster getting into trouble, linebacker suddenly becomes a position of need for this team. And there's no doubt that Tremaine Edmonds offers a little more versatility than Roquan Smith. 
and is very similar, in my opinion, to Viking star Anthony Barr. So my pick would be Jermaine Edmonds with the ninth pick, you know, with the San Francisco 49ers. So now moving on to pick number 10, who is, which is owned by the Oakland Raiders, I'm going to have them selecting Roquan Smith, linebacker from Georgia. Now, this defense is already featuring Khalil Mack, who claims he's not reporting to camp unless he gets a deal. Now, it shouldn't be as bad, you know, as Oakland was in 2017. Smith may be the best off-the-ball linebacker prospect since Luke Keekley, in my opinion, Mad Mike. So with the 10th pick, I'm going Roquan Smith, linebacker from Georgia. Now, let me tell you something, man. This is this is legitimately how close we came to a grand on a sixth player in our top ten. I had Roquan Smith here for all the reasons you mentioned, and I took him out last minute and went Derwin James, who is the most talented safety and playmaking defensive back in this draft. And I'm going to tell you the exact reason why I did it. Um, it's funny, one of the reasons you went the route of Roquan Smith is because they already had um, Khalil Mack. And that's the exact reason I went away from them. This is one of the worst secondaries in football. And the fact that they already had Khalil Mack on board, I said, I think that they can, that because of Khalil Mack, they could focus on the secondary. And this guy can hit, this guy can cover, and this guy can pick it. And I think that with, with you, you know, you know, like the Seattle, the Seattle mold. Um, if if I don't have the the play up the middle just yet, let me get those safeties. Those are my safety valve, and that's where they're gonna go, in my opinion. Derwin James. Okay, so now, guys, we're gonna give you a bonus three picks, an extra bonus three picks. I decided to do this just for the sake of it, since we're stuck on this, and me and Matt Mike is agreeing so much. So, pick number eleven is owned by the Miami Dolphins, Matt Mike. Who do you take with that pick? Um, I think that, that they this in my mock they luck out, man. They don't have to trade up to get the quarterback. Baker Mayfield falls to them at eleven. Um, at eleven, I think Baker Mayfield can be a steal. Um, because I think he can go as high as three to the Jets, and I think that he can go as low as five to the Broncos. Um, and in this case, uh, I got Miami getting a steal. It's Miami, right? Eleven. Yeah, Miami's eleven. Yeah. I have them getting a steal, and that would put Buffalo as the biggest loser, you know, in the offseason. Listen, how crazy is this, listeners? Me and the Mad Mike agree with another pick, as I would take Baker Mayfield, you know, uh, quarterback out of Oklahoma. Now, the Dolphins, uh, you know, they appear to be enamored with uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, and if he falls to 11, I think, you know, I take him. You know, and head coach, you know, there's reports that head coach Adam Gase, you know, he's ready to pounce on a Heisman Trophy winner if he's there. Uh, the quarterback that they have now, I'm drawing a blank on his name, and it sucks that I am. Uh, but he has a bunch Ryan of... Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill has been suffering from injuries the last year or so. You know, so at some point they have to evaluate that and move forward. I think Baker Mayfield, you know, is a world of talent. And I think he'll fit well into Miami. He might get knocked on his butt a lot with that offensive line. But I would take Baker Melfield as well, man, Mike. So moving on to pick number 12, which you call the biggest loser if this happens. And if Buffalo can't pull off a deal with the New York Giants, 
the Buffalo Bills, I got them taking uh, Mike McKinley, a tackle from Notre Dame. Now, the Bills traded away Gordy Glenn, leaving a hole in the offensive line, man, Mike, and they moved up in the process where they most need help is offensive line, you know, but, you know, obviously, if they can get a quarterback of their liking, they're going to take a quarterback, but, you know, McKinley, I have McKinley going here, or, you know, if Nelson is there, I would take one of them, but I would go offensive line, Mike McGlin McKinley, tackle from Notre Dame, man, Mike. You, you, um, I, I, on the other hand, have Vita Vea going to them to shore up that defensive line. They, they have moved some pieces from their defense um, over the over the last year, um, and, and I have them taking Vita Vea, who's who's maybe the the best. Uh, you know, I, I mean, when when you're getting comparisons to Ndamukong and Sue, um, he he's he, he's a beast inside, man. Um, he's going to help that run defense. He's going to plug some some holes. They already have a good secondary, so um, I think they go that route. But that, I'm telling you, biggest loser to to come in thinking quarterback and end up with with a lineman um, is a big loss for them, offensive or defensive. All right, now so here's the last pick, the bonus three picks that we added to our ten pick um, two point oh mark draft. Now, listeners, we're gonna do the full we're gonna do the full mark draft of all the teams in next week's show, which is the week before the uh, the NFL draft. So please tune into that. So the Washington Redskins on the 13th pick, Mad Mike. And with that pick, I'm going to go with a player that you had going early on your draft board, and that's Derwin James, defensive back out of Florida State. Now, Washington has his quarterback of the near future, quote-unquote, with Alex Smith. So now look for the Redskins to take a player such as, you know, I would take James, who, you know, his 95% of the player Fitzpatrick is and could go even higher than this as you even had him on your mock draft. So I had the Washington Redskins taking Derwin James, defensive back out of Florida State. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I have, uh, I like Josh Jackson for these guys here uh, in the secondary, but I'm going to say that they go Roquan Smith, um, who I think is the best linebacker in this uh, in this draft. I just think that at 13 to get a guy fall to you, um, he's too good of a talent. And they, they could use the help in the linebacker core. Um, they they uh, recently uh, traded, I believe, Sewell Cravens. Um, so it's not as if they don't have the hole. Um, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll settle on Roquan Smith here. All right, now, so there you have it, guys. That's our very own Mock Draft 2.0. Again, tune in to next week's show because we're going to do a full Mock Draft of all the NFL teams which is going to happen before the actual draft takes place. So it's going to be interesting to see how many picks that me and the Mike, Mad Mike, have on our mock draft that are actually done by the actual NFL team. So we're going to keep counting that, have some fun with it, see who has the highest number, and go from there. But, Mad Mike, before we take questions from the listeners, Des Bryant was released by the Dallas Cowboys. Now... It may have come as quite as a surprise, and it, you know, may not have been such a surprise. But Des Bryant came out and said that he wants to play against the Dallas Cowboys twice a year. And if that's what he's saying, that means he wants to play for a team in the NFC East. Where do you have 
Des Bryant gone. Obviously, Josh Norman, cornerback from the Redskins, he already said that he wants him to come there. Where do you think Des Bryant, if, if it's a team in the NFC East, Matt Mike, where do you think Des Bryant ends up? Uh, the Eagles. I think he's, he ends up with the Eagles if he uh, stays in the NFC East. They obviously have some money some money um, issues right now, but for a team that is that, that uh, a lot of reports are saying is looking to draft uh, the, the likes of DJ Moore or Cor, uh, Cor, um, the, the, the SMU kid that just, I just had his name and his name just freaking uh, left my head. Um, and you, you Clearly they're looking for some extra wide receivers out there. And if, if you're the, if you think it's Cortland Sutton, by the way, um, if you think that Des Bryant has lost his step, um, you move him to wide receiver two. And obviously with uh, Alshon Jeffries out there at wide receiver one, uh, I think that he would feast on on CV2s. And if you think that he's a slot guy, um, he's going to feast on nickel cornerbacks and, and, and uh, linebackers. Uh, that's, that's the place where I think he goes if they could figure out how to make the money work. Um, I do want to say something, man, uh, about – I didn't know we were going to go into the Des Bryant talk, but um, – you know, a lot of people want to say that Des Bryant is done. He's not elite anymore. You know, not for nothing, but have you seen, did you see the stat that said that um, Tony Romo's final two years as a Dallas Cowboy, um, the percentage, it, it was 71.9% of the passes thrown to Des Bryant were catchable balls. And um, since Dak has took over the last two years, it's gone down to 59%. That's a 12% drop, almost a 13% drop in, in catchable passes thrown by Dak Prescott. That's a quarterback issue. If you give him those 13% back, are we saying Dez is done? Or is Dez going from 900 yards to 1,100 yards instead of having four touchdowns? Maybe he has, uh, you know, seven or eight. And all of a sudden we're saying, hey, man, there's a lot left in the tank for Dak. Someone's getting, a, you know, Dez. Someone's getting a steal. I think somebody's getting a steal. And me being a Giants fan, you know, it's New. I'm always greedy as a New York fan, man. Every top player or every player that has that becomes available, I'm like, I'll take him. I'll take him. I think Dez is going to end up with the Washington Redskins for some reason, as I think the Redskins just have the most money out of all NFL teams to give him. But there is a slight possibility, Matt Mike, that he could end up with the New York Giants. The New York Giants would just have to rid themselves of Brandon Marshall, and obviously that's a no-brainer, you know, to flip-flop Brandon Marshall with Des Bryant. Also, Des Bryant is cool with Odell Beckham Jr., so maybe Odell Beckham Jr. puts that bug in his ear. We don't know. I just don't think the Giants have the money financially to pull that off, and I don't think that that might be a project because of his ego and his sideline antics. So now you have Odell, you have to deal with that with Odell Beckham Jr. Now you have Des Bryant, but maybe that might be something that Sherman could deal with as a head coach, Matt Mike. So, you know, the Giants name has been thrown around as well. I've heard, you know, Carolina's name, San Francisco's name. So there's a few places, but he wants to play in the NFC East if he can. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Des Bryant thing. So before, yeah. before we close the show, listeners, we're going to take a couple of questions from you guys as we're running out of time. So the first question is coming from Jill, and Jill wants to know, Mad Mike, who 
again, you know, we've asked this question, you know, we've been asked this question before as about about who the Knicks should pick, you know, if in the upcoming draft. She wants to know who we take and, you know, with the Knicks pick in this coming draft. Well, you know, it's, it's this one, now we know that they're going to be somewhere between 9 and 11, right? Because they, they had to just go win those final two of the final three games like idiots because um, they don't do anything right. Uh, I'm going to go Mikel Bridges. Um, I still think he drops out. Um, I, I, there's a lot of talk already of, of the Alabama um, kid and... Sexton? I'm just gonna Sexton? yeah Sexton Colin Sexton. Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick it out with Mikel Bridges. I think as, as the roster is currently constructed, uh, their biggest need is, is a small forward, um, and he's the best of all of them. And you know if he played for Kentucky, if he played for Duke, he'd probably be in the in a conversation for top three pick overall. But because he plays for Jay Wright and he plays for Villanova, um, you know he he falls later in, in the draft. Um, but they turn out solid prospects, and, and I'm going to stay with, with Mikael Bridges. All right, now I'm going to change up. I know, you know, we talked about this, and I'm going to say Jalen Brunson, guard from Villanova, uh, play of the year, might I add you. Although the Knicks already have a lot of point guards, I just don't, like, it seems like the Knicks have plans on moving Frank Nittalikina to the two guard. Yeah, but Brunson's, is slated to go late. I mean, you could always trade back into the first round to, to snag Brunson. I just I just got, you know, my infatuation for him, you know, has got seeing him play in the NCAA tournament, man. I love this young man's mentality, Mad Mike. He's a bulldog. He goes out there, man. He plays hard. He can shoot the ball well. He can create a dribble off his own shot. He plays well defensively, and he's a strong young man. So I, you know, I I would, and, and and if he's a late round pick, then maybe. But you know, in my opinion, who knows if he's going to be there? I think his stock has risen so much. So I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna say Jalen Brunson, Mad Mike. All right, that's that's a curveball. That's that's for sure. Yeah, it, it is. I even surprised myself with that one. So the next the next question comes from Johnny, and Johnny wants to know who do we have coming out of the East. In the West, in the, in, the, in the NBA playoffs this year, man, Mike. I'll let you go first because I, I don't know. All right. So after watching some of these games, you know, over the weekend, I I think that it's going to be, oh, man, it's, it, the Western Conference, I, I'm still picking. I'm going to pick Houston, although Golden State will look really good in their game. Against San Antonio, I think I think San Antonio is showing their age. I think they're an old team. And they're starting to show it. And it also goes to show how much they miss Kawhi Leonard. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna say Houston coming out of the West. And I'm going to say the Toronto Raptors coming out of the East, Matt Mike. Um Yeah, I'm I'm gonna stay Golden State. I think Golden State was bored. I think that uh um I think unlike Cleveland, I think Cleveland's a bad team. I, I think Golden State was just bored and working their way to it. Uh, as long as uh, as long as Steph is healthy, I think um, I, I think that this is still the team to beat. Um, the one thing that you could say about I always say about the Houston Rockets, um, Golden State is is just does what the Houston Rockets do better. Um, so I, I think uh, 
you know, over the five game span, seven game, whatever you want to call it, I just think they have more talent. They're coming out of the West. Um, the East, I'm with you, man. It's just like I, I was I was dead set to say that the Cleveland Cavaliers were just gonna come out. LeBron is too good. Um and Boston is just too too uh hurt and Toronto is just too uh untrustworthy. Um but they came out and they laid an egg and I don't know, so I'm going to stay. I'll go Toronto. They've been the best team in the East all year, and I'm going to give it to them by default. Okay, so there you have it. Now we're going to fill one more question, Matt, Mike. Um, so Tippy 23 Tippy wants to know, are the New York Mets going to continue their high streak of baseball that they've been playing, you know, moving forward, and if this team is going to win a division? Man. So he sent us two questions. So it's a two-part question. Can a, can a Mets sustain this play, and will they win a division, Matt, Mike? I'll let you go first. Um, the Mets are the ultimate. If they're healthy, they're good. They're really good. Um, they're borderline great. But it's just that fact that they're never healthy, and the season is so long and grueling that, that I'm reluctant to, to say they'll win a division. I think that this team will will really contend for the wild card. They've changed my my um. I don't know, man. I don't know what to say. Like uh, because it's not something I don't expect from them. Because I, once again, this team 100 percent healthy. I thought Sandy did an amazing job in the off season, and um, this team healthy. I think that they can. I think this team healthy can win a World Series. How about that? But I just don't think that they can stay healthy. All right. I, obviously, I don't. They're not going to sustain this play. I mean, let's face it, you know, they played the, the the Phillies, the Marlins, not that Milwaukee's a pushover, you know, they beat the Nationals, but, you know, they still have to play, you know, let's see when they start playing teams like the Dodgers, you know, some of the better teams, but I don't think they're sustained to play, but I do, watching this team play and watching the, the few games I watched the Washington Nationals play, I do think my, you know, my my opinion of them winning the division is stronger, and it's going to be interesting to see with Joe, you know, next time we get Joe on the show, what he has to say about that as well. But I think the possibility of them winning the division is, you know, is going up a notch from my previous thoughts, Matt Mike. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, the Mets can win a division. I think at this point, the way they're playing, I think they will win it just at this point. I think they win, will win a division, and but, but I don't think they'll sustain, you know, this play. I just don't like what I see from the Washington Nationals thus far. And, you know, I think everybody else, the Phillies, the Braves, you know, I think they're just going to, at some point, they're going to start going downhill. Although the Braves have a lot of young talent, man, and I'm impressed by the way those young kids are playing baseball down in Atlanta, man, Mike. Yeah, me too. They finally uh, brought up. Um, Ozzy Albies and uh, you know Okuna is on his way and um, they're they're playing ball man. Um, they're, they're Dan Dansby Swanson um, that they got a you know nice one two up the middle. Um, I, I like it. Uh, they got the pitching prospects and and it's just a matter of when when does the money when do they decide to start using the money to sign impact free agents. Um, the Braves are going to be some. They're, they're going to be a problem. Yeah, they have and, a high um, ceiling. There's no question about that, man. A lot of and, good young talent. Yes, and they timed it perfectly, right? Because the Mets window is is this is it for the Mets? If you think about it, right? They got about one or two years 
um, left with, with these pitchers. And, and the Nationals, this is their year, man. Um, it, it's going to happen for them or it's not. Bryce is leaving. And um, things are going to go downhill from there. So um, the Braves timed it perfectly. And there you have it, folks. That brings us to the conclusion of this week's show. Me and the Mad Mike want to thank you, the listeners, for continuously to stick with us, listen to the show, because without you guys, there's no us. And we want to thank our producer, A.O., Omar Baker, for keeping this thing going. So, guys, please be safe. Have a blessed week. And me and the Mad Mike, I'll see you in seven days where we'll do our full NFL mock draft. So, guys... Hey yo, let's roll, baby! And that's a wrap for today's show. Shouts to everybody for checking it out. Make sure you subscribe. Brand new episodes drop every Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And as always, check out LloydAThompson.com. Peace.